What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Rise and Flow podcast. Today's episode is a little different than usual, as it will just be Gabe and I talking about trademark law and a little bit from everything from what a trademark is to why they're important to the process of securing a trademark registration for your brand or business. In today's episode, we touch on all that, and we are looking forward to having more discussions like this, where Gabe and I just kind of nerd out for a little bit about different legal topics that we find interesting and that we think are very essential for the modern day entrepreneur and creator. Take a listen and let us know what you think. We're looking forward to doing more like this in the future. So any feedback will be very much appreciated. Thank you so much. And here we are talking about trademarks. Uh, Today, we wanted to jump on and talk about trademarks, right, Ray? Because I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions out there. There's a lot of people maybe don't see the importance of trademarks. So I think it'd be good to just jump on and let's talk trademarks. Yeah, my favorite topic, my little ability to nerd out or my opportunity to nerd out uh, and talk about trademarks, which are all around us all the time. And it's funny because when I'm with my girlfriend, Katie, and we're walking through the stores, I must be pretty annoying because every time... I'm just like, look at that trademark. Like we were online the other day at Better Buzz ordering coffee. And obviously there's like some trademarks that you expect them to be trademarks, right? Like the name, Mm -hmm. logos, things like that. But if I start seeing flavors of their drinks or like menu items on the trademarks, I get so excited because I'm like, oh, look at them taking that extra step and grabbing a a registration for their most popular drinks. That just like, that really just makes my nerd heart happy. Yeah. And I think that's definitely something we want to touch on is what is trademarkable and some of the misconceptions of trademarks. Um, Because I know, for example, like the biggest misconception that we always get is like, oh, like my brand is protected because I have a DBA, right? Or like I registered my name through the Secretary of State as an LLC. And those like whenever people say that, it's like, oh, like. It hurts. It hurts, right? And because it, they are so different. So yeah, today I think we should just talk about trademarks, what they are, misconception, common question, and yeah, let's talk trademarks. So I think the first thing is let's talk about what exactly is a trademark, as opposed to maybe a copyright or a patent. So a trademark is any source identifier of a source, really, or it's just like any source identifier of a brand. And it allows us basically to know who or where a certain item or service is coming from. So for example, if you are looking at someone's shoes and you see that iconic Nike checkmark, you know what brand that's coming from. It's coming from Nike. If you are looking at a certain golf polo and you recognize a certain golf brand just based on a crest or a certain design on the breast pocket of a certain polo, you know where that's coming from. And the whole idea of trademarks is, and this is another common misconception, is that Trademarks are meant to protect the brand. But in reality, the reason we have trademark law is to protect consumers from confusion in the marketplace. That basically helps a consumer have trust in knowing where a certain product or service is coming from. So once again, a trademark is any source identifier. Uh, Most commonly, they are going to be the name or the logos or even the slogans that we see associated with certain brands um, that let us know where a certain service or product is coming from. I know just really quick. So the actual definition, I just, I pulled it up because I was like, like we know as attorneys what they are, but the just basic definition is a trademark is a symbol word or word registered or established by use 
representing a company or product. <laughs> and yeah, just like the definition states, you know, it just allows consumers to understand, you know, where a certain product or service is coming from and give us trust in knowing that. So that's basically what a trademark is in a nutshell. And like I was going to mention is that it's also can be more than that. Once again, it's any source identifier. So you know, we always talk about scents when we talk about Play-Doh. You know, Play-Doh has that iconic scent, which they do have a registration for. And we also talk about the Verizon store has a trademark registered for its iconic tent in its storefronts, um, which is so <laughs> funny to me. Um, and then it can yeah. also be sounds, right? The sound of a lightsaber. Yeah the sound of the MGM lion before a movie production. Um, these are once again, trademarks oh. that are registered by their owners to once again, right. signal where trust and source of a particular brand. Well, the famous Tiffany teal, right? That color, the T-Mobile hot magenta pink color, right? Yes. So even color can be trademarked. Yes. Even Reese's, right? Reese's has a Reese's. I don't know. I don't even know how I'm supposed to say it right, but <laughs> Even Reese's has the iconic orange color, I think, registered as well in the candy category. So color, sounds, scents, anything that identifies a, once again, particular product or service can be a trademark. Yeah. All right. So now, why, now that we know what a, a trademark is, the difference between a trademark and a copyright and a patent. Because I think, again, that's a big kind of big misconception around, right? And basically, the, and I think we could just break it down in, in simple terms, right? Like you mentioned, trademarks are a way to establish a brand, right? Or to establish recognition of a brand. So when you think of trademarks, think of brand. Copyrights, that's more think of art artists, right? It has to have some type of artistic value. So as opposed to a trademark where you could just trademark a word, like a just basic word, a copyright has to have a little bit more of the artistic value on it. And it really is intended to prevent people from copying that specific design or image, right? Versus patents, you got to think more of machines or mechanisms or something that has some type of process. More I, The way I always remember it is more, more scientific. It's any type of formula or you invent some type of machine or something, and you know, you're going to have all the diagrams. So that's how I compartmentalize those three, right? It's like trademarks. I know they're for, for businesses or for, for brands. Copyrights are usually for artists or have some artistic value to them. And then patents are more for like science inventions. Not always, but that's just how I keep them separate. Yeah, spot on. I always make it very simple. I always say... Trademarks protect your brand, copyrights protect your work, and patents protect your innovations or your inventions. And for the most part, those are broad definitions. And sometimes these overlap, right? So sometimes you can have a design that, you know, right off the bat, if you fix a design to a tangible medium, that's your copyright to that. Now, if you start using that design to identify the source of a particular good or service, you make that design basically maybe a logo or a design for a certification. Now it's acting as a trademark. So Trademarks are words or icons or designs that act as trademarks, right? There's an act there. There's a use to them to tie to some type of use in commerce, whereas copyrights are just protecting the work itself, right? To prove that you are the owner and that you have the rights or the bundle of rights that come with copyright, basically exploit that work in any way you fit. And also the ability to license certain rights that you have to other people to exploit it in a certain way for maybe a cost or fee. Uh, and then patents are a little bit more in depth and there's different types of patents. Um, less crossover there, usually patent something that's patentable. 
is patentable because it's not copyrightable and it's not trademarkable. So it's protected yeah. as a patent. And the patents are there basically, once again, to allow the inventor to exploit their work or their invention for a certain amount of time and be able to basically, once again, spur innovation, spur inventions, because we want people to create things. And we want people not to, once they create something, have someone else come and exploit it because they may maybe have like more resources to do so. So that's what patents are there for. But if you want to learn more about patents, we highly recommend working with a patent attorney. Right. Yeah. But today we we just want to stick with trademarks today and we're only going to dive deep into the trademarks. All right. So I think one of the biggest, again, misconceptions that we hear out there is the whole like trademark versus DBA versus LLC, right? For like a brand name. Mm -hmm. You want to jump in and, and tell the people our stories and our, all the times that we have to explain this to clients that it's not an LLC and DBA do not protect your brand. Yeah, absolutely. And we start with the name because the name is usually the most common form of trademark that everyone who's in business probably has to once again, identify who they are and the types of products and services they're putting out into the com in, into the stream of commerce. So yeah. when it comes to names, obviously protecting your name is important. You want to make sure that if someone sees your name or wants to buy bread from your bakery, that they're going to your bakery, not someone who has a similar name for a bakery and they're intending to go to you and shop and buy your bread, but now they're buying someone else's bread because they're confused about where to exactly go or who to order from. So yes, trademarking name, very important because you know, we also hear, once again, misconceptions about people who say, I file an LLC and I reserve my name and there's no other LLC or DBA in my state or county that has this name. Now, just because no one has a DBA doesn't mean, once again, they're not using a name already in commerce. And just because someone has an LLC with a certain name doesn't grant you the exclusive use to that name in your state, right? So once again, even states have trademarks. Even states have their own registration for trademarks that are outside a name reservation for an LLC. An LLC for a name, very, you know, once again, the state's not looking to make sure that you can use that name in commerce. They just want to make sure that there's no duplicates in their system of the same name. So sometimes, yes, you might not be able to register the same name because the state literally says, we already have a registration or an LLC registration under that name, try again, and maybe you can go with something similar. But that's not going to prevent people basically from starting similar names. But once again, similar names can be confusing. So right. once again, not establishing the fact that your trademark or what people recognize your brand to be protected. Right. And that's huge because especially like if we start at the lower level, right? Like the DBAs, the DBA is done at a county level, right? Well, think about how many counties there are in your state, right? Each of those counties, they're not going to have this massive system where they're able to communicate with each other. So there could be a Ray Bakery in San Diego County, but then there could also be a Ray's Bakery up in L.A. County and Orange County and so forth, because they're not going to be able to talk to each other right, and let people know. Now, on the state level, same thing, right? Where, OK, sure. You start an LLC and Ray wants Ray's Bakery LLC. Well, oh, he can go and establish that. But again, the secretary of state is not necessarily looking for infringements. They just can't have the same name. So I come along and say, I'm going to name mine E Ray Bakery LLC. It's probably going to pass and I'm probably going to have an LLC that's very similar. Not only that, but hey, guess what? Arizona, Nevada, all the other states, every state has their own secretary of state. And they're not going to communicate with California, for example. So 
potentially there could be 50 different LCs with the same exact name. So again, that's not protecting your brand. All that's doing is letting your local government know that you're operating in, whether it's in your county or in your state as a different name besides yourself. And that's really all it is, right? But that doesn't stop anybody from using your brand name to sell product unless you get a trademark. That's right. That's right. And especially because if you're listening to this podcast and you follow us, you're probably an online entrepreneur and you're probably utilizing social media. You're probably advertising your business online. And you're probably also actually selling product across state lines, or you're probably providing a service across state lines via the internet. So in that case, you need more than just protection in your own state. And this is why, you know, having an LLC name that's reserved or an LLC name in general registered with a state or even a state trademark and the same that we have the same issue with state trademarks is that if you are doing business outside of your own state, meaning that you are working with other clients outside of your state, or you're like providing media, just like to anyone who has access to the internet, then you are doing business outside of your state, right? You're doing business to anyone who has a connection to a laptop who can order your product across state lines or watch your productions or watch your content from anywhere in the United States. And for that reason, you need a trademark because a trademark is going to give you federal protection across all 50 states and make sure that one, there are no copycats of your brand out there. And also that you have the like you actually have the right as opposed to someone telling you that they have a previous or priority right to you. So that's a huge issue is just starting a brand and then finding out years down the line that someone else has a trademark or even filed a trademark mm -hmm. and now has an advantage over you to prove that, hey, we actually have the federal registration over here. And because of that, we are asking you to or not even asking you, we're demanding you to cease and desist uh, the use of your trademark as soon as possible. And if not, we will sue you. So that, as yeah. you can imagine, is a terrible thing and happens way more than people probably think. So I think it stems from this misconception. So I think this is first, not first, because we already dealt with the DBA, but another misconception of trademarks is that it doesn't have to be a direct infringement, meaning they don't have to copy your name exactly, right? It could be just as long as it's something similar or it sounds similar or it just appears similar to the consumer, that might be enough to, to spark an infringement suit, right? Mm -hmm. I think one of the, the most kind of creative ones that I've heard in recent time is Starbucks suing a company called Siren Coffee, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a perfect example. It's like, how does how can that even be possible, right? Starbucks, the word Starbucks is completely different. The logos, I'm sure, are going to be different. But a company started... And it was Siren Coffee, which when you look into it, Siren obviously means mermaid. And that focus on the mermaid was to them an infringement on their trademark. So again, that that's the kind of mentality. And that's why a lot of times it's very important to work with attorneys that that could do these types of searches early on. Um, that is unfortunately one of the, the biggest things that we see is that a lot of people try to do their trademarks themselves or they use some type of online service where you just type in your name, they just do a basic search, right? And nine times out of 10, you're not going to get a direct hit, like the exact words. And in fact, a lot of companies do it on purpose, right? The whole disembowelment process, right? They take up vowel and it's still the same word, right? It just, you 
you remove the vowels, but when you read it out loud, it still says the same word. And I think a lot of people end up doing that themselves or using these kind of like cheaper you know, online services. And then 12 months down the line, right? Because trademarks take a long time. All of a sudden they start getting these letters from the USPTO saying like, no, that's too similar to this brand. Or even if you gets past the USPTO, the publication process, which we'll talk about the whole the process of trademarks in a bit, but that is definitely something to, to think about, that it doesn't have to be a direct infringement, like a, an exact word for word copy, as long as it causes some confusion, right, right, in, in the marketplace, that might be enough yeah. for a trademark. Or false association, right? So not even where it's two competing brand names, but using a name in your product description. Right. So mm -hmm. we saw a lot of this recently with people who were obviously Barbie just came out. Right. Barbie had an explosion in the in the theaters. Right. In its mm -hmm. cinematic release. And for good reason. Right. Obviously, huge franchise and huge production and well executed. Right. And obviously unprecedented marketing across the board with all the Barbie collaborations. So now. Obviously, there were so many collaborations that Barbie or Mattel actually as the rights hold had to make sure that there was no false associations or false collaborations out there. So what did that actually like materialize into? Well, that turned into them having a very aggressive enforcement against any misuse of their intellectual property and the Barbie name. So we saw a lot of Etsy shop owners or Shopify owners who don't have the name Barbie or anything similar to Barbie in their shop names or their brand names, but maybe in their product description, they said, buy the Barbie-esque a cowboy hat or buy, buy this Barbie style dress, right? Now, just using that is what would be considered an infringement because you're using that name to once again, basically market your goods or services, creating confusion. You know, if you're a consumer and you're saying, seeing something like, oh, Barbie style, maybe this potentially is linked to Barbie, especially with all the collaborations going on. And once again, as the rights holder, it is Mattel's duty to make sure that they're enforcing their rights because if they don't, it actually hurts their brand. So we saw a lot of people have their listings taken down. And if there are like more than two listings taken down, actually having their account suspended. So right. because of... Trademark infringement. And it's really hard sometimes to get your account back up. Now, if this is your livelihood or if this is a big portion of the revenue you're bringing in, you can see that there are crazy repercussions here. So, whenever we see brands occurring, right, we just think, oh, someone just wants to go in a new direction. Well, eight or nine out of ten times, they're rebranding because they either can't obtain the trademark for whatever their brand name is or they've been asked to, or once again, demanded to rebrand because their name or certain product line is infringing upon someone else's rights. So once again, this yeah. happens way more than we give credit for. And every time we see a rebrand, most likely it's a rebrand because someone was forced into it or it's a strategic one so they can actually obtain the right to a certain brand name. Well, what if, okay, now what about for the people that are like, wait a second, Ray, but there's brands out there with the same name, Dove Chocolate, Dove Soap Bars, right? They have the same name, Magnum Condoms and Magnum Ice Cream. What do you say to those people? Yeah. So just based off of trademark law and what we understand trademarks to do, once again, and also consumer confusion coming down at the end of the day, even if there are separate brands that own similar names, we also have to, in the idea of infringement and what's 
allowed for registration is go through the, you know, the likelihood of confusion test, right? So obviously, if a brand name is really similar or the same, then we also have to consider what services are tied with that, right? Because when you're registering a trademark, you have to identify what services or products you're actually tying and using that trademark to advertise or promote. So obviously, take for example, I think it's Johnson & Johnson or that owns the Dove company. I'm not too sure. Don't quote me on that. But whoever does own Dove has a trademark to Dove for soaps, probably shampoos, and probably similar beauty products or at least hygiene products, right? It's probably a, num a lot of different things, but that's probably the realm they're dealing with. Now, Dove Chocolate probably owned the trademark Dove to chocolates and candies and maybe even other types of edible things, right? And as a consumer, we understand that maybe the same company that's creating our soap is probably not also making chocolates for us. Maybe, and everyone's different. Maybe some people thought, yes. Some people actually, as a kid, I probably thought, oh, wow, they just both, they just sell two different products, right? But we give the benefit of the doubt that those two things are so far apart from each other or like so not similar, right? So in the test, we have to weigh how similar are the names and how similar are the services or goods? In this case, yes, the names are really similar. They're exactly the same, right? Dove and Dove. Uh, and then we look at the products, right? The products are not necessarily the same. They don't really fall in the same. You know, if we walk into a grocery store, we're probably going to completely ends of the grocery store to pick up these two different products. And because of that, probably not going to be like a likelihood of confusion there. So yes, products and or like brand names can exist or coexist if there is a loose tie between them, um, right? So, or just like a less likelihood of confusion there. So that's why different owners can own the same marks to market different goods. Right. Yeah, no, that that's exactly the thing. Because again, we do get a lot of clients, right? That we're, and some of them have been operating their businesses for years. And then they find us and they're like, hey, we want to do the trademark. And then we we do our comprehensive search up front. And yeah, we come to find out that there's a similar brand. Sometimes even a similar brand, maybe outside of their, their, their scope, right? Like maybe it's, you know, we find it in a specific category, but one of the other key factors to look into, right, is if that is within their kind of reasonable zone of expansion, right? So let's just say of, I don't know, let's, we'll take the soap first, right? Let's say they wanted to expand into scented candles. Now, would that be a stretch to think that? a bath company or a company that makes soaps and fragrance and stuff like that for them to get into the business of candles that that smell well maybe right i think that maybe that could be within their zone of expansion right and if there was a dove company that was already in in that space right in the candle space then they couldn't really be living together right they couldn't exist they couldn't coexist so yeah the reasonable zone is like of expansion is another one of those things that as attorneys, we have to analyze. And it's something that most of these like search engines that you find online or when people do it themselves, they don't realize that, right? And again, they see the name that possibly could be available because it's in a different category, not realizing that there's a potential that other brand can expand into that. Yeah. And that's basically the analysis we have to do every time someone comes to us and wants us to register their name, right? A huge part or the most valuable portion of registering someone's trademark is clearing their mark. And in doing so, we have to do a very comprehensive search of not just the trademark engine or basically what is already registered with the trademark office or pending registration, 
but also like what is existing already that hasn't registered a trademark yet or might do so today, tomorrow, the next day, who knows how soon, um, and have priority rights to you. But that's the exact same analysis we're doing. We're looking at, for example, if we're searching someone's name and trying to clear their mark, we're going to see, all right, how many direct hits are there? How many confusingly similar hits are there? And if we find any that are confusingly similar or even direct, then we have to go on to the second step in the process and seeing like, all right, what services or products are they registered under? And if we feel that they're the same, if it's the same products or services, then obviously we are going to come to the conclusion that you probably can't move forward with that mark. Now, what if they're in the reasonable zone of expansion? Once again, high risk, probably also not going to be able to register that mark without significant schools in the way, right? That means the trademark office is probably going to reject it. And even the trademark office clears it, maybe the actual owners of those confusingly similar services or products are going to object to your trademark or, you know, potentially come after you for infringement still because it falls within that reasonable zone of expansion that they have to enforce. Yeah. Lastly, if we determine that the products and services are nowhere near similar, then we're going to feel a little bit more confident there. But once again, this we have to look at exactly what's going on. We have to figure out not only what class of services they're registered under, but what subclasses they are and how similar those subclasses are. So it is yeah. a lot of work that goes into it on the front end to make sure that a mark will be successful going through. Because once again, it is an investment to lock down the ownership to a certain asset like this. And we want to make sure that people aren't just spending money and losing money because yeah. they easily could have known if they just did a little bit more homework on the likelihood of success there. So, yeah, which again, it goes back to the unfortunate situation when a lot of people do their trademarks themselves and sometimes their name is so original that maybe yeah, they don't run into some of these obstacles. But I, I think we should talk about that process a little bit, right? And like, what exactly is the process with a trademark application and that whole process, right? So first and foremost, it's the search, right? And the search is probably one of the heavier legally sections of that, which again, look, people are great, but if you're not an attorney and you're not, you don't know the, basically the standards and the arguments that you're going to make to overcome some of the objections, right? Because that's what we're always looking for. Because even if we do find something similar, we immediately start doing the analysis to say, oh, well, there's something similar, but we might be able to overcome it with this argument, right? So the initial search is comprehensive. It's we go deep in there, right? We're looking for similar names. Like I said, the disembowelment of name, um, not only just the name, but is there a word in front of the name? Is there another word behind the name that might confuse the search engine? So we take in all of these considerations, jump in, do a comprehensive search, do an analysis of all those. And basically we come back with a full report that's going to say, look, these are your chances of, of going forward based on analysis, based on our search. We think your brand or your mark has a 75% chance of succeeding, or let's say maybe it's a 50-50 chance. And then we can talk about what those obstacles are going to look like. And at the end of the day, the client now can make an educated decision on whether to move forward with the application because the next step is the application and the application process that it's it, that's not too difficult, right? As long as it's complicated, because it lets you know what kind of some of these check marks are, what you're trying to do, what you're because you can't really modify it, you know, too much, you know, after you, you make a mistake. So the application process, not only that, but it, the even just the simple filing of the application costs money, right? Could be two hundred and fifty dollars. 
$350 or more, depending on how many categories that you're going to be, you're going to be filing in. So we have clients that are operating in multiple categories, right? Clothing, right? T-shirts, hats, print, right? Posters, stickers, casts, entertainment. So there's, there, you could be in multiple categories and each one of those is going to require a separate application, separate analysis and separate application fee. So sometimes just the application fee alone can be thousands of dollars, right? Because $250 per class per mark. And that's just gonna We're not even getting into like name versus logo, right? Or slogans. But anyways, first, the comprehensive search intensive. The next part, once we have a clear understanding of what's out there and what the risks are, client could say, yes, let's go forward with it. Perfect. Then we go through the application process, fill out the application, get that going, right? And then you would think, oh, well, we're done. No. Trademarks could take up to 18 months right now to get cleared because after you file those applications, the USPTO has to assign a, an attorney on their side to review it, right? So now, and but even that concept, think about that. If you're a person that's not an attorney, right? You're just a normal you know, person filing that application. Well, guess what? An attorney is going to be reviewing that application. That goes to show like how legally intensive trademarks can be because an attorney, you're going to be going up against an attorney, right? And you really are because guess what? As soon as they receive that application and they review it, the first thing the analyzing attorney is going to do is review it. And they're going to look for those similar brands. And sometimes they're super arbitrary, right? They'll mm -hmm. pick the thing to pick from your brand. And all of a sudden you're getting an office action for, for confusingly similar marks for um, you forgot to disclose something in your name. Um, it's too descriptive. You can't somebody's name. It's someone's last name. You need special permissions, letters. So all of a sudden you have this whole legal process. And unfortunately we've had too many clients come to us at that point because they try to do it themselves or they use an outside source. And then all of a sudden they start panicking because they start getting these letters. Once you start getting these letters, it's not only going to be way more expensive because an attorney is going to have to correct your mistake, but it becomes way harder to just argue and fight with the USPTO because the attorney didn't do the search and the attorney didn't do the application, but yet we have to defend it, right? So it is definitely a process. All right, but we're not done, guys. It's not, we're not done. So let's say oh, you're able to argue through the USPTO office actions and get all that going. Well, once that happens, there's still a publication process, a, pro a publication period where they're going to put your mark out there in a gazette saying, hey, world, this person is trying to register this mark. Speak now or forever hold your peace kind of deal, right? And then this is where a lot of brands will pounce, right? Because they have to. They have to, in order to enforce your trademark, in order for your trademark to be held, you have to make sure you're enforcing it against infringers. Even if they're people that you think could be an infringement, right? Even though the USPTO said, okay, it's okay, you can go forward. That's not enough. If you, as a trademark holder, think that it's an infringement, that there's some type of similarity or slight confusion, the publication process is where you pounce. And that's where you're going to object to it. You're going to send cease and desist, and then you're going to get into a whole litigation process when all of it could have been avoided by doing the comprehensive search up front. So 
after the publication process, if nobody objects to it, then you get your, you got your trademark, you got your certificate, but it's not done after between the fifth and sixth year, you got to go and do the maintenance, right? And the declaration then again at 10 years. So again, and it's an ongoing process too, because you have to defend your mark. It's not just, you just, I have it. I don't have to do anything. No, you have to be actively looking for infringement in order to make sure that your trademark is healthy and strong. Yeah. And it's a commitment. It is a long lifetime commitment for as long as you're working on like maintaining that trademark, right? So if you have that trademark and you get a registration, it's great. But now you have to, like you mentioned, go and enforce it. So maybe you're getting notified that someone's moving forward with a trademark that's similar to yours and you don't feel comfortable with that. Then you have to object to it and you have to send cease and desist. And you have to do DMCA takedowns to make sure that there's no third party use out there of a similar trademark or maybe even the same trademark, right? Because if so, if that's how you get your trademark canceled, right? That's how if you ever have to actually enforce it because you need to sue someone who has you know, the same brand name out there or a similar brand name out there, they're going to use that evidence of third party use against you. They're going to say, oh, well, Gabe owned this trademark, but guess what? I found and do to Google, like a Google search and I found multiple other businesses doing very similar things as me. And Gabe never told them to stop. So by virtue, he's okay with the use. And a judge might say, that's very, that's a good argument. Gabe, why didn't you do anything? And why haven't you done anything? Because you haven't done anything, you are have, at this point lost your trademark rights. And that's what we, sometimes that looks like, sometimes in a very extreme situation, that is what leads to genericism, right? That's you know, and this is like another thing in trademark law is like a mark could become generic. And once it becomes generic, you automatically lose trademark rights. And we saw this in the news recently with Taco Tuesday, right? Someone, Taco John's, owned the mark Taco Tuesday to promote the sale of tacos and Mexican food, right? So, but they never really enforced their rights against all the other restaurants out there using Taco Tuesday or just the use of Taco Tuesday in general at all, right? So because of that, their mark this was Taco Bell's argument was that it became generic and they can't prevent Taco Bell or any other restaurant from using Taco Tuesday to promote the sale of a particular taco deal or anything like that. So yeah, and this is exactly what we've seen with many trademarks in the past, right? This is what happened to Xerox. Uh, there was a lot of use of the word Xerox to just talk about copy, right? Just copying anything. Oh, I'm going to Xerox that. Or you know, because of that use, Xerox eventually lost their trademark rights as, of, as it pertained to copy machines. So. So, Ray, that brings up another great kind of misconception or not necessarily misconception, but maybe some education around that. So what is the benefit of trademark? Let's say you're starting a brand, right? What's the benefit of trademarking the name versus, let's say, the logo, right? Some type of identifier. And then furthermore, yeah, I guess just that. I'll let you answer that. So what are the benefits of registering the name versus the logo or both? Yeah. So obviously, if you can do both, that you might as well move forward with both, right? Nothing's going to hurt you from owning more trademarks in your business, or at least registering the trademarks of your business, right? But for the most part, when we're working with small business owners, they can't afford to trademark everything that they possibly can trademark all at once. So we have to talk about priorities. And number one priority all the time when registering a business or registering a trademark for a business is going to be the business name or brand name. And I'm going to tell you exactly why. That's because your brand name is going to be how a majority of people are going to learn about you, especially if you're advertising online. Your brand name is just going to 
appear more than where images can appear, right? So if you're thinking about either a name, a logo is only gonna show up where images are allowed to show up, right? An image can't show up in a domain like search bar. You know, an image isn't going to show up in a Google search, at least for text search. It might show up in image searching, but not text search. Um, it's not going to show up in the handle names of social media platforms. It's not going to show up in the copy of a website or anything like that. So because of that, because of the fact that your names is probably going to be in more places because of your image or your logo, that you should prioritize your name, at least because once again, more people are seeing that and you want to protect first and foremost, what most people are recognizing to be the source of your brand. That's going to be your name almost 99.9% .9 of the time. And because of that, we always say go with the name first, because guess what? If you have a name registration, then you can, you know, if there's anyone with a similar Instagram handle out there that's selling other goods or anything like that, you don't even have to sue them. You can just do a DMCA takedown, let Instagram know like, hey, there's someone using a similar trademark as their handle. And I don't like that. Can you please take it down? And Instagram will instantly take it down, making your job a lot easier. Also, if there's a scam account pretending to be you or be trying to like pretending to be your business, it makes it a lot easier to just have them taken down as opposed to a normal complaint to Instagram. You can file a DMCA takedown complaint. And because of that process, it'll allow you to once again have that removed a lot easier because Instagram is going to say, like, hey, do you actually own the trademark here? Do you have a registration? Can you prove to us? And boom, yes, you can. Um, if you're selling on uh, not eBay, I was gonna say eBay, Amazon. I think eBay does this too, but if you're selling on Amazon, Amazon has brand registry. And if you have a registration, you can be you know, basically sign up for brand registry under Amazon and claim and use that name and then prevent other anyone else from using that name as their store name and selling your goods without your permission as, or like being a licensed seller of you. So many different reasons and benefits why you want to basically establish the trademark registration ownership to your name first as opposed to anything else. Right. Yeah. So again, I think Nike is a perfect example of that, right? The word Nike, right? The, that's a trademark. And then the swoosh is another trademark. Separately, they're both of our different trademarks. And once the brand gets big enough where people recognize it by just their logo, then great. You use your logo, but that takes a while, right? For, for a brand to be established by the logo itself, I mean, you need to be a pretty major brand, right? Donald's, again, Nike, some of these ones that are, that you visualize the logo and you're like, yeah, that's the brand. So that's why we always prioritize name first, because we work with mostly startups, right? And on small creative entrepreneur influencers, right? That aren't necessarily using a logo as an identifier, but it's their name, right? So name, like Ray said, is probably the first and foremost thing to register. Yeah. And usually um, people want to combat that and say, what if I, my logo has my name in it? Well, guess what? Like when you register a trademark, you're registering the whole trademark and you're getting protection to as exactly the orientation and the design mark where it runs, you're submitting what's called a design mark. And that's including like a logo plus a name. So, or a stylized name as your logo, you're only protecting that name, the way it appears in exactly the file you're uploading to the USPTO. So for example, Starbucks owns that word mark to just straight up Starbucks coffee, right? But they also own a trademark to Starbucks coffee in its iconic, like bolded capitalized font as well that we see you know, on their storefronts and everything. They also own the name Starbucks coffee in its stylized form with their logo above it. They also own the logo separate, right? They own all these different trademarks are basically the same thing. 
because they yeah. want the protection of Starbucks coffee in every form it could pot like possibly show up in, whether in just straight up text or whether in design or whether exactly the logo and the Starbucks coffee written out underneath it, you know, centered on it and everything with the colors as well, right? So that's yeah. what allows them to have as much protection as possible. But always mm-hmm. just getting the word mark is going to be your broadest protection. It's going to be give you basically the most bang for your buck is the way to think of it. Right. right. Um, where, you know, we have a lot of people who come to us and like, I filed my own trademark and it's like, I got my name protected. And we look at it and we look it up and we, you know, check out what application they submitted and they submitted a, d- a design mark. So they don't really technically own the word mark or have a registration to the mm-hmm. word mark. They have a registration strictly to that design and exactly the yeah. way that word shows up in that design. Not necessarily. Right. So if I wanted to start a website with that same name, nothing's going to stop me from doing that because guess what? The logo is not what you're going to type in into that top bar. But I think what the other thing too, that a lot of people don't realize is kind of like what you were saying. It's not ju- just the name. It's not just the logo. There's so much stuff to trademark, right? So for example, I did a short video on the front of a Frosted Flakes box. Right. Mm -hmm. And Kellogg's is going to not only own the trademark, the word Kellogg's, but also the design mark of the the kind of scripted Kellogg's, the full word Kellogg's. Mm -hmm. And then the K by itself that they use sometimes, that's another trademark. Then the word Frosted Flakes in the logo, probably the word as well. It's another trademark. Tony the Tiger is probably another trademark. And their great is even another trademark, right? So brands trademark everything. And I think that's probably the the one thing, I think it was Gene Simmons. I've heard that quote, right? Where Gene Simmons from Kiss, right? The famous bass player from Kiss. That's basically what he said. He said, trademark everything. Like Taylor Swift, right? I think that's probably the most current example, right? Didn't we looked it up and... Taylor Swift has like a crazy amount of trademarks for her name, right? And it's not just like random things, like it's for like her name, right? Yeah. Or like her signature or things like that. A lot of brands have tons of them. So, you know, it's it's always good to start thinking about future category and things that you're going to eventually get into. Yeah. Yeah. And usually a lot of our clients are creators or they're creative entrepreneurs or they're solopreneurs, but they show up online in a lot of different ways, right? So they might show up under their handle, right? And they might be doing endorsement deals. They might be doing brand deals under that handle as whatever that handle may be. Maybe, for example, take me, Ray King Con. Maybe that was my handle and I'm doing brand deals under Ray King Con, but I'm also going to launch a master course. And the master course does really well. It brings in a lot of revenue for me. And the master course has a really unique name and I want to protect that name. Well, I should prioritize my name, Ray King Con, right? I should get that trademark. And then my brand name is probably Raise, Raise Flows, right? Whatever, I'm just making shit up, making things up. And I want to, like, obviously now we have to go into like the whole like portfolio of what I should own as an individual creator, right? I should own my brand name, which is Ray Flows. I should also own my Instagram handle or my handle that I put up here on like whatever platforms I'm on, right? What am I known for, right? Ray King Con, get that as well. Then obviously the master course name, let's get that trademark. And then maybe I'm also going to start a community, creative companions or something like that, right? My community is also going to be bringing in money as well. So I should trademark that as well because now I'm showing off in a different form under a different name. So this is how you start seeing how, especially a solopreneur can own multiple different trademarks and should own different multiple trademarks. And even if I'm 
Oh, maybe I can even get to the point where I'm building my personal brand, which a lot of traders are doing, right? Building their personal brand separate from whatever their actual business is, right? So maybe I need to go and get my trademark to just Ray Khan, my actual name, because maybe I'm doing certain things or exact same things, but I want to own the trademark, my actual name. So there's no other Ray Khan out there doing similar things or basically stealing my goodwill or being a copycat of what I'm doing and trying to capitalize on the sales and notoriety that I have and grown for myself. So not right. only is like someone like Kellogg's or someone like Starbucks owning multiple trademarks, but we love seeing a lot of different creators going out, owning trademarks yeah. to their personal names, owning trademarks to their brand names, owning trademarks to their Instagram handles, owning trademarks yeah. to their service offerings. And that's how you build an iconic portfolio that no one can take away from you and make sure that you have the rights to and basically build your own empire. It's an asset, right? At the end of the day, it's property that's owned by the company, right? Whether it's owning the company or the company owning those trademarks, those are all valuable assets. So the day that you decide that you're going to sell your business or somebody comes in and wants to purchase it, guess what? Somebody purchasing your business is going to feel much more at ease knowing that you hold the rights to that name rather than, oh no, well, I'm going to, I love their company, right? I love their brand, but now they have to do all this backtrack and buying out domains and buying trademarks from random trademark trolls or whatever, right? So it's a business asset. And like Ray said, it's a portfolio that's owned by the business that's going to be valuable. And it's worth something to the business and it's attached to the business, which leads me to the next thing, right? A lot of people are like, well, trademarks are for, for corporations or for these big brands. And like Ray said, it's not anymore. It's not. We as creators, we are businesses, right? Creators are businesses. You're signing contracts. You're signing collaboration deals with whatever partners or companies that are advertising through you. You need to own your own mark. You need to own your brand. So creators, small creators, big creators, online businesses, people in the service industry, just in general, you don't have to have a brick and mortar store to own a, your trademark and your brand. And it's to me, I, and I think Ray, you, we both see it the same way. It's, it's empowering. It's seeing our clients have this piece of real estate really for their brand. Because look, at the end of the day, every, anyone could start a business, anyone could start building everything. But at the end of the day, that most of the a business's first asset, right? Like that's their very first piece of real estate almost, right? Yeah. And it's empowering to, to know that a client can own their own name. As weird as that sounds, right? You don't really own your own name until you own your own name, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. And it's just something we wish that no more people knew from the outset, uh, at least from like even just choosing a name, right? Like not many people know enough about how business and brand names work and how trademark law works when they're first starting out with coming up with a business name. So knowing that is very empowering. And especially once a lot of our clients might hey, like hire us to first lock down their business name, but from there, they also understand the importance of getting a name cleared before they invest in launching something, right? So we have clients recently who are create, like getting ready to launch a new service offering and they want to make sure that they can own the name for the service offering, but also know that they won't be infringing someone else's rights when they do the service offering. So they take advantage of us, not take advantage of us in a bad way, but they take advantage of us of at least using and utilizing a trademark attorney 
to clear a name to make sure that they're going to move forward with a name that they don't need to unnecessarily rebrand a year from now and that they mm-hmm. can make sure that they own and once again becomes an asset of their overall kind of you know, synergy chart of ownership. So yeah, it makes us really happy to see that kind of play out that way. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's why we wanted to just make this video, right? And then really just talk about trademark a little bit more in depth because like we, we've talked about trademarks in, in on Instagram and on TikTok and stuff, but obviously there, there's shorter videos, they're limited. So we definitely wanted to jump in and just explain the process a little bit more and explain really the importance because at the end of the day, like I said, you don't own your name until you own your name, right? You don't own your brand until you have that certificate that says, hey, you are the owner of that brand. So it's definitely, definitely worth looking into and starting that process early too, like Ray said, because that's, you don't want to invest in a business that in a year you realize you're going to have to rebrand, right? Mm-hmm. So it's always best, to, but early, it's worth the investment early up front, especially for that comprehensive search. And yeah, we everyone should do it. Yeah, yeah. And just doing that comprehensive search, I don't know how many recent trademark service packages we've been through, but how many times we've had to share like unfortunate news with people saying like, hey, this isn't a name that we could lock down like a registration for. And honestly, like your continued use of it is a longstanding risk on your business because at any moment you can get a cease and desist letter. And depending on how aggressive the company is, they can even, they can just simply ask you to stop or they can ask you for all the profits you received while using their name and offering the services or products you offer. So once again, you don't want to be in that situation. And we've had to tell multiple people, maybe it's the right time to rebrand now. And especially if you're earlier on in your business, then we can, it's easier to turn the ship around as opposed to later like down the line. And it's easier to do it on your own terms instead of being forced into it right away by demand of another Mm -hmm. company. So yeah, that's why hopefully this has been very informative for a lot of people. If you have any questions, feel free to book a consult with us to learn more about trademark law or learn more about the trademark process or shoot us a DM. And we're happy to explain more. And yeah, if you're already a client of ours, you can always just email us or ask us more questions about the process and we'd be happy to illuminate that for you. Absolutely. Well, cool. Well, thank you everybody for listening. And yeah, make sure you're following us for more of these informative videos. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Till next time.